Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 98-81 win against the Portland Trailblazers on Monday night at Paycom Center. For OKC, it snaps a seven-game losing streak. It's the Thunder's first home win in the year 2022, and it was quite a resounding turnaround to bury the Thunder without SGA, the Blazers without Damian Lillard and several others. Um, Portland got up by 18 in the second quarter, early in the second quarter. Thunder couldn't do anything offensively without SGA. I thought it was going to be a blowout. And then the Thunder themselves end up leading by 18 points in the fourth quarter. They win this one by 17 and hold Portland to just 81 points. Yeah, it was, you know, it's 31 to 19 and 42 to 24, and from then on, it was all thunder. And um, you know, you know what I came away from this game thinking: tanking is not such a terrible idea because even if you don't tank, you might end up like the Blazers. You know, yeah. they're they're not tanking, but they're 21 and 30, and they got no great avenue to get a lot better. Um, they've got no depth. Dillard's hurt. Um, they're trotting out people uh, off that bench that just aren't very good. Um, the be- the bench is terrible. Um, yeah. The Thunder outscored the Blazers bench forty to eighteen. And you look at like Portland's starting lineup: Simons, McCollum, Nurkic, Covington, Powell. That's a pretty good group. Obviously, it's a lot better with Lillard, but it's pretty right. good. That's not terrible. Yeah, that's not terrible. I mean, it's better. Than- but here's. I mean, the Thunder's trotting out Aaron Wiggins and Derek Favors, for crying out loud. Yeah, but here's who played off the bench for Portland. Uh, meaningful minutes. Trendon Watford, Ben McLemore, Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr., Greg Brown the third, and Tony Snell. Yeah, Greg Brown, if you don't remember, is that, is that rookie from Texas who was sort of a head case at Texas last year. So, um, yeah, that was, not, that was not stellar basketball uh, from the Portlands. They uh, they uh, they ended up shooting fewer three pointers than the Thunder shot. You could have got a lot of money uh, betting betting that with somebody who wasn't following the stats but was just watching the game because it seemed like the Blazers shot ninety two three pointers and made seven. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. Yeah, uh, twice twice in this game, Portland turned down. Driving, but relatively easy layups to kick the ball to the corner so somebody could miss a corner three. Um, it was, if you're a Portland fan, it, it had to be quite, quite frustrating. Well, especially after Portland started the game by, it seemed like the game plan was feed Nurkic. They kept pounding yep. it inside to him, and he was giving Derek Favors fits. And then, you know, they have Diakite and Mascala come in and they can't really body up Nurkic, who's not had a great season, but he's still a force down low. Then they sort of went away from that, and um, yeah, they just didn't shoot it well from three. Seven of 38, 
Uh, Anthony Simons was 2 of 12 from 3, 3 of 16 overall. Um, I was a little surprised at first. Now, Simons has been really good this year, and he, he's been on a hot stretch, and he's taken on a bigger role with Lillard out. But I was initially surprised that it was Dort on Simons and Wiggins on McCollum. Um, I thought it might be the other way around with Dort on McCollum, but um, Dort totally shut down Simons, who's like, you know, quicker um, attacks off the dribble. So maybe that's why Dort was on him. McCollum, obviously, everyone knows how good of a shooter he is. He, he runs around the perimeter, relocates really well. And I thought Wiggins did a pretty pretty decent job on him. Well, and, you know, and uh, Mark Dagnall, very complimentary of Wiggins and the job that he did um, with, uh, with McCollum. Now, McCollum had an excellent game, 10 of 17. If the Blazers really had wanted to win this game, they'd have tried to get him about 37 shots instead of 17. And you're right about Nurkic. They went away from Nurkic, uh, ended up getting so few foul shots. They got they were three of four in the first quarter from the foul line, three of four the rest of the game combined. So um, it was it was not it was not a stellar effort. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It was not a stellar performance by the Portlands. And in fairness, I mean they're on the back end of a of a back to back. Where were they yesterday? Chicago, Boston. Chicago, yeah, not Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. not the easiest Chicago. back-to-back. Yeah, so you know you can sort of see it, but uh, for the Thunder to play without SGA, it was fairly impressive. Um, Dort was his usual assertive self. Um, Wiggins was solid. Um, Giddy was good. Trey Mann was pretty good. Yeah, Dagnall said he wants more shots from Trey Mann. He wants Mann to be more aggressive. Yeah, I think most people in in Thunderland would sign up for that. Yeah. So, um, he was he was man. By the way, man started with SGA out, and Dignall wouldn't commit to starting you know one guy in SGA's place. But I would think that man is going to get the bulk of the starts with SGA out. It's too bad that uh, you know they sent favor or they sent uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl down to the G League today, which meant. Derek Favor starting. I guess that was because they knew Nurkic was coming to town. But um, you know, they started three rookies, and if it, if if Robinson Earl was in, it'd been four. So that was that was uh, sort of interesting. And the, and the rookies all played pretty well today. Combined, yeah. The, you know, Wiggins is plus eight on the plus minus. Man's plus eight. Giddy's plus fifteen. So. Um, pretty solid, solid rookie performance. Yeah, kind of a quiet uh, fourteen, a nice easy fourteen and twelve for Josh Giddy. Uh, twelve rebounds that is four assists. Um, I don't think the Thunder is going to start four rookies in Dallas. They really like. Uh, I think Baisley is probably going to get the start in, in Dallas if Porzingis plays. But sometime on this, maybe this next road trip, I think they're going to start four rookies, and they might have um, tonight had Robinson Earl not played with the blue, which let, let's get to that because that was one of my takeaways from tonight is how surprising that was. Robinson Earl tied with Lou Dort for the team lead in starts, um, 11th among all rookies in minutes. When we've seen guys get sent down to the blue, the Trey Manns, the Aaron Wiggins, Teo Maladone, Poku, it's because there's not enough minutes for them to play a consistent role with the Thunder. 
That's not the case for Robinson Earl. He's had a consistent role. He's playing a ton of minutes. He still gets sent down on the day of a game. So he plays 32 minutes with the blue. Um, actually went to second half of the game for another story I was working on, but totally dominates. Like, you know, Maladone played really well with the blue. That's what you want to see. Poku's not doing that. It's not what you want to see. But when, when you send an NBA player down there, you want him to play well. He did that. Um, I, I just thought it was sort of strange timing. I mean, Mark Dagnall's reasoning was, you know, we want like the whole changing the environment, changing the circumstances, everything like that. They wanted to see how he would respond to it. They said he got one day's notice that that was going to happen. So kind of a curious move, um, especially with like Isaiah Roby out, who they also recalled. It just leaves them a little light on big men, uh, favors Diakite, Mascala. But what would you think of JRE's G League assignment? Well, I'm intrigued by what you say about you know, they want to change the environment. It sounds like they're they're doing psychological experiments on the guy. Um, is it not enough that all of a sudden he's going to play without SGA? That seems like a fairly significant environmental change. Um, but um, you know, to, to to send a guy to send a guy down to to the uh, to the G League um, when he's been playing ever how many minutes a game? Twenty, twenty four, whatever it is. That seems strange. That seems strange to me. But, you know, they got their reasons. I, I'm here at a Paycom Center where it's not an alarm, but there's a there's a pretty loud buzzing. So, Barry, you might hear it, but I, I hope it's not going to uh, come through on the on this here audio. Um, no, I've, I hear it. There's no question about that. <laughs> can, can confirm. Can confirm can it's confirm. coming through. I mean, it sounds like, oh my you know, it sounds like a Zamboni machine's about to run over you, but I assume that's not the case. You know what? I'm no. going to do some uh, – I, I might do some walking and talking here pretty soon, or we'll just wrap it up uh, quickly. Any uh, – we talked about Robinson Earl. What, what, anything else stand out from you uh, from this one, Barry? Well, I just thought Thunder sort of became a rolling ball of, of, of confidence the longer this game went on. I mean, that second-half performance uh, was fairly impressive. Uh, 59, I think it was, was it 59 points by the Thunder, uh, 50% shooting, 40% three-point shooting. Um, they outscored Portland 59-34. I mean, it's, it's, sort of, it's hard to be down 18 uh, and win an NBA game by 17. You don't see that very often. Uh, but we saw it tonight. Um, you know, both teams were, uh, you, know, uh, you know you know me, I do math all the time while the game's going on. So most yeah. of, most, I'm, 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 You know me, I'm very bad at doing math well, while most, the game's going on. Most of the game after the, you know, after the, uh, f- for the most of the first half, the Thunder was on pace for about 69 points in this game. Then they sort of caught, catch fire uh, late second quarter, and all of a sudden I was doing that for the for the Blazers, and they end up with you know eighty one points. That's not a lot of it's not a lot of points in a modern NBA game, and um, the Thunder just just won it going away. Uh, just you know Portland, it, it, it's uh, we talked to I think we talked in our staff meeting earlier today. You know, the Thunder doesn't doesn't win without SGA. That's just something they don't do. But they did it tonight. And 
Um, you know, one difference you've got is Giddy makes a difference without SGA because he can facilitate, he can do a lot of things, he can, you know, he, he gets the ball uh, spread around, those kinds of things. And I thought it was pretty good. They only had 12 turnovers, the Thunder, without the, without their primary ball handler. So, you know, to me that was that was fairly uh, that was some fairly good good production without without Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think I uh, I think I got myself to a somewhat quieter place. So thank you for carrying the podcast, Barry. I do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I like this team is not the second half team from last year without SGA. I mean, they're they're playing better lineups, better ball handlers. You know, Giddy can create, man can create. Um, they still have some veterans like, you know, Mescala wasn't playing in the second half of last year. He's still sprinkled in there. Kenrich Williams is still there. So it's not going to, to look that bad. But, you know, they beat the Blazers tonight by playing, you know, really good defense. And the offense did come alive. But they scored 98 points and then it shoot it well. I, I still think the offense is going to be very, very very rough for as long as SGA's out. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they they uh, didn't shoot it great. They shoot 40.7 overall tonight, 29.3 from three-point range. But they made their foul shots, 16 to 17. They protected the ball. Um, so I thought it was I thought it was a good performance. I think it's uh, this is one of the easier games they're going to have here uh, in the next whatever. Uh, before the All-Star gate, All-Star break, without SGA. Um, so this wasn't a killer in terms of the, uh, the lottery balls. Um, it's a game you thought they might win because Portland, like I said, 21-30 and 30 is, not, uh, is not a winning team. It's not a cohesive team right now. And uh, they've, got issue, they've got issues of their own. Um, you, know what, you know one thing I thought was interesting uh, is after the game, I was about, I was about to pop. Chauncey Billups. I, I don't know that he's all that proven as a coach or such a great selection. But when Matt, when Mark Dagnall said, uh, you know, you asked him about the extended conversation that they had after the game, Dagnall and Chauncey Billups, uh, Portland's first year coach. And um, I found it interesting. Dagnall said, you know, I'd never met the guy. Literally, I thought they'd have NBA coaches meetings or Zoom calls or something, but maybe they don't. Maybe they just show up and play ball. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, also, it also sort of struck me of how young Dagnald is because he talked about growing up a Celtic fan and watching Billups, a great Celtic play. I remember when Champ Chauncey Billups was in college. I covered him when he was at Colorado in the Big in the Big Twelve, early days of the Big Twelve. So. I thought that was an interesting point that that uh, you know Dagnall had actually never met one of his colleagues, which means he probably hadn't met several of his colleagues. Yeah, I've actually that's that's been something I've learned this year as well. I just assumed all these guys sort of know each other, but I remember asking Pop about Dagnall, asking Michael Malone, and both of them said they they don't know him at all either. And like you know he's had an unconventional path to becoming an NBA head coach, didn't play college basketball, much less in the NBA, is young, hasn't really been around a lot of these people. So, um, sorry, I, I feel like I'm just getting uh, distracted tonight. But I'm going to fight through this, Barry. I've got a good story to tell about the Chauncey Billups uh, 
question that I asked because here's the deal. Mark Dagnalt is uh, is good at being sarcastic and and dry humor and oftentimes I feel like I've got a pretty good finger on it and we can go back and forth a little bit and have some fun and you know I knew he was from Boston and grew up a Celtics fan but when I asked him about Chauncey he, he called Chauncey a great Celtic and he didn't really like you know smirk or anything when he said that but as Mark got up and was leaving the room I was like great Celtic um, and he was like, yeah, great Celtic. And, you know, you're a little bit older than I am, Barry, but I, of course, remember Chauncey with the Pistons, with the Nuggets. I mean, those are the two teams I associate Chauncey Billups with. Chauncey Billups played like 51 games with the Celtics as a rookie. Uh, I guess, you know, from what I, you can probably remember this a lot better, but apparently he didn't get along with Rick Pitino. They traded him to Toronto as a rookie after drafting him, I think, third overall. So I thought, like, Dignall was kidding, like, calling him a great Celtic. Like, oh, yeah, like, he, he was barely a Celtic. But I don't know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to follow up. Maybe I'll do another story uh, before they head to Portland because I, I have to get to the bottom of whether this was genuine or not from uh, Mark Dignall. Well, who, who meant no ill will, yeah, but it was funny. It might be it, it might be genuine. It's inaccurate, no matter what he. Yeah, you know, it's inaccurate. That's why I thought it was funny, I mean, but was, I don't think he was joking. Chauncey Billups was the third overall pick in the '97 draft. An excellent prospect turned out to be, you know, a star um, in Detroit. Um, but he was the third overall pick, and then gets traded, you know, in February of his rookie year, which is th- stuff you don't see. These that, days. I don't think that would ever happen. No, I, no, that would be very strange. And it was he got traded with D. Brown, Roy Rogers, and John Thomas, who I don't know who John Thomas is. Uh, saw Roy Rogers playing college, played a little bit in the NBA. D. Brown was a you know decent NBA player. Got traded for uh, Kenny Anderson to Toronto for Kenny Anderson, Popeye Jones, and Zan Tabak. Kenny Anderson was a was a good solid NBA player. But he was, when, when he got traded uh, that year, he was uh, 27 years old and, you know, starting point guard, but not the kind of guy you might trade the third to pick in the draft for. And what's interesting to me is uh, Toronto didn't keep uh, Chauncey Billups hardly at all. Uh, yeah. Just uh, moved him pretty quick. He finished he finished out that year um, – with with the Torontos, so he played at whatever how many thirty games or thirty one, whatever it was, I can't remember, and um, and then uh, he, we have the strike or the lockout, whatever you call it, I can't remember what they called it back then, and he gets he gets traded to Denver uh, in, in his second year or to start his second year. And plays two years. Then plays two years in Minnesota. He's played for four franchises in his first four NBA seasons. He gets traded to Detroit in the summer of 2002. It's his fifth franchise in like five or six years. And he was, he literally was like the embodiment of a journeyman. Yeah, I remember thinking, this guy, you know, what's wrong with this? I saw him at Colorado. He should be a star. Well, turned out, for whatever reason, he just had to he had to land somewhere, and and sure enough, he did. He was actually um, 
he was actually uh, signed as a free agent with the Timberwolves and the Pistons, wasn't traded. So think about that. The third yeah. pick in the draft, three years later, is a free agent. And five years, five years after the draft is another is a free agent again. Some people might have thought he was a bust. And then, of course, he becomes, you know, a, a landmark uh, cornerstone in, on the great Detroit teams with Rick Carlisle yeah. and Larry Brown. But not a great Celtic. Not a great Celtic. 11.1 um, points a game and 4.3. Also, so. like, don't be greedy as a Celtics fan, Mark. You've got plenty of great <laughs> Celtics to choose from. You don't have to, you don't have to throw yeah. Chauncey Billups in there. I think yeah. a great Celtic actually came one year after Billups, right? Paul Pierce, was, were they a year apart? Uh, I believe that is right, yeah. I think, I think that is right. Um, on that, you know, Antoine Walker was a, a teammate of his, and Ron Mercer, um, uh, Dana Berrios was on that team, and Walter McCarty. So it it wasn't. Well, now let's say this. Let's be honest. That was not a great Celtic team. That was that team finished thirty six and forty six, and uh, and you know Rick Pitino was uh, was uh, not a great Celtic coach. If he wants to try to sell us that bill of goods, um, but no. um, you know, he, I think Billy Donovan might have tried to sell us on that, but <laughs> who knows about Mark Dignall? That's, that was Patino's first year in Boston. He was he was in Boston three and a half seasons. Did not have a winning record in any of those seasons. So yeah, not not a not a stellar situation for Rick Patino. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, I, I think I might. I don't know if. The, there's enough for a story out of it, but I'd like to talk to Chauncey. Um, first off, just the contrast in their paths to becoming new head coaches. Um, obviously, we just laid out Chauncey's career, and Mark had like a totally different path. And here's these two guys coaching against each other in an NBA game. And it really did strike me when, so at the end of almost all these games, I don't think I've seen Dagnall like interact with a coach at all this season, and it's not just Dagnall, it's just across the NBA. I, I think it's become a COVID thing. They just wave to each other. At at the buzzer, the one staff waves to the other staff, and then they walk to their respective tunnels. Um, but tonight, as the clock was winding down, Billups sort of motions to Dagnall, and he puts his arm around him, and they talk for um, quite a while. And Dagnall just said that Chauncey had nice things to say and mutual respect, so I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, that is that is that is neat. I I didn't have any idea. You know, Billups was he's had an interesting career since he quit playing. Um, he did a lot of ESPN work. There was talk that he was going to be a general manager uh, yeah. with very limited front office experience, and then all of a sudden he's he's made a coach. Um, yeah, he did some like game analyst work. Yeah, uh, too. So I mean, he's. And of course, he's you know he's well respected. All everywhere you go, people speak highly of Chauncey Billups. So, um, yeah, I remember a little known fact. Uh, you know, he came out of Denver, outstanding, one of the best players in Denver high school history. For all I know, the best. And it came down to Colorado and OSU, and Eddie Sutton thought he was going to get Chauncey Billups. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they thought they were going to get Chauncey Billups. They they almost got him, and uh, that would have really – it was coming off the final four. It was coming off the final four year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
and that would have been a big time. That would have been a big time get uh, for um, for OSU because he would have made a huge difference on those. 95, 96, and 96, 97 teams. That's the two Sutton teams that did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, Colorado did make it, I think, his second year. There he played two years at, at CU. So, yeah, it, that would be – that would have been uh, uh, something interesting, I think. Well, uh, Barry, speaking of OSU, I was at the Blue Game today to uh, – Talk to Lindy Waters after the game. He's he's playing big minutes for the Blue, playing really well. So Is he really? Hopefully, yeah. So I'm going to write a story about that for later in the week. But he's shooting like 45% from three. He's in their closing lineup and um, has really carved out a role. as a. It's not just like local G League team doing local kid favor. Like he's yeah. playing legitimate minutes for them. Is it possible he could make the NBA? I think so. I mean – I don't, I think it's and I don't mean, shot, play, I don't mean I, playing I 12 think, years. I mean, could he get up on a roster? Yeah, um, well, especially this roster, as, as much as they shuffle guys back and forth now, obviously yeah. he's not one of the ones under contract, but I think there's a chance. And, you know, his whole thing, obviously his role in college was different, but at this level he's strictly going to be a three-point shooter, and that's his skill that can carry him. So if he can – hone that one skill, I think that's his ticket to at least getting a look, maybe. Well, you know, for these very same Portland Trailblazers a few weeks ago, Cameron McGriff from OSU, who was a four-year guy uh, at at OSU and a solid player, but nobody ever looked at and said, oh, I think he'll make the NBA. He was basically a, you know, he's six foot seven power forward who was not – Terribly, he sort of had a lot of good. He's sort of thick and a good athlete, but not, you know, not a not an athlete supreme and not a big time shooter or anything. He he played fifteen minutes, I think, in three games for the for the uh, Blazers. So sometimes guys yeah. make it, and you don't you don't even see it coming. Don't see it coming. Did, did did you just to finish up here? Did you think that about? Like when when you covered Waters, did you ever think there was a chance no, he could play in no, the NBA? No, no, no. I just didn't see enough athletic ability or ball handling. I knew he's a good shooter, but he wasn't a great shooter. He wasn't anybody yeah. you built the offense around to get open threes or anything. But he was boy. He's fundamentally sound. He kept his mouth shut. You know. Organizations like guys that keep their mouth shut and just do what they're supposed to do. That helps. That helps row the boat. So mm-hmm. um, I can un- sort of understand it. And McGriff was that way. McGriff was a good, solid citizen. Ivan McFarland was that way on Eddie's teams, the great teams, uh, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And he got up and, you know, played 40, 50 games in the NBA as an undersized power forward. So, you know, if you just know how to play basketball, and work hard and stick it out, you might get a chance. You know, you might get a chance. I think we brought up uh, – I, I enjoyed this podcast despite the uh, difficulties on my part because we just brought up just names that you would never think would be connected in the same <laughs> podcast from Ivan McFarland to Roy Rogers to whoever else was – I forgot that one guy's name that was involved in some of the Chauncey Billups trades. But there were some good ones. There were some good ones today, Barry. Well, people people may not remember Roy Rogers, but he was um, – I don't, I don't remember He Roy was a Rogers. center at the University of Alabama 
He was a college teammate of Antonio McDice. I remember Antonio McDice. And they were together um, in 95. OSU with Big Country played them in the, in the round of 32 to go to the Sweet 16. And they were, they were sort of a load. Um, McDice was the star, but Roy Rogers was this six foot ten center who could block shots and do all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's how I remember him. But you know, he's got a memorable name, of course. Um, yes. But um, uh, they, yeah, they matched up with Big Country uh, in Baltimore and played them tough. It's a really good game before the Cowboys uh, sent them high ho silver away. <laughs> Baltimore, you worked in Baltimore, which just uh, you know, inside thing. You 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 enjoy the name. You think Baltimore is a great named city? So what a I'm great name! For, what a great name for a city. <laughs> you know, we got Baltimore and Cincinnati. Those are great names for cities. Um, there's a few others. Yeah, out west, we got good names for cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Albuquerque, but. Walla Walla. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, but back east, Philadelphia. Of course, they stole that from, I think it's in Egypt. Is that right? I think. But anyway, um, you got some got some cool names in Baltimore. I think right there at the Portland, top. Portland, Oregon store, stole from Portland, Maine, right? I assume, Portland, I assume Portland, Maine was first. Um, yes, I don't know I, I that, but so. I assume things generally go east to west. And, uh, <laughs> you know, everything from the sun to history goes east to west. Well, but, uh, um, but no, yeah, the uh, Roy Rogers and um, and McDice got beat out by by the OSU's, no doubt about it. Well, we will end it there. Thank you all um, for those still listening. Thank you for uh, listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Um, that's going to do it for tonight. The Thunder is heading on the road. They'll be in Dallas on Wednesday. So we'll be back with you then. Bye.